Hello, you're listening to recommendations for my otaku spouse or otaku susume. I'm Jen. And I'm Wes. So let's get started. Now, a long, long time ago, when I was a young warthog. Was it that long ago? Um, I want to say about 15 years ago, when I was quite young. 15 years? Yeah. When did this come out? Anyway, when I was younger, my cousin recommended a comic to me called Umbrella Academy, which was by Gerard Way. That was 14 years ago. From My Chemical Romance, who I liked when I was a teenager. Oh, you were a little emo. No, my sister was the emo. I just liked My Chemical Romance. I don't actually know a single song of theirs. Yes, you The Black Parade. Is that one of theirs? Yes. I do know a song of theirs. Oh, my God. Anyway, flash forward um, however many years, and the Netflix series came out uh, of Umbrella Academy. And last year, I was like, oh, I kind of, I really want to watch this. So, well, I think I came to Japan ahead of Wes. So I was, all, I was on all my lonesome, and I was like, oh, are you interested in this? And Wes was like, nah, not interested. I'm like, okay. And I watched the whole thing in like three days. The comic had never interested me. I had seen it on the shelf, of course, of every comic shop I'd gone into. But nothing about it ever, no one had ever recommended it, and nothing about it on its own ever reached out to grab me. Yeah, it's not one that I would recommend to people. But the Netflix show, I would recommend. recommend. Although you weren't interested in it until season two came out, and you are like, oh, okay, people are actually talking about this, maybe I should watch season one. And also because I wanted to watch season two and was like, whereas if we're going to watch season two, then I need to make you watch season one. And I didn't even hear other people talking about it. It was season two came out and you're like, I want to watch this. And that's when I finally went, oh, how was season one? You're like, oh, it was so good. It was amazing. I was like, oh, you willing to rewatch it with me? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I I am. Wouldn't watch it on my own. (laughs) 100% willing to rewatch it again. And we did. And we did. That's so weird. I'm pretty, maybe it's just the kind of people that we follow on Twitter, but my Twitter was definitely full of people saying how good Umbrella Academy was. I didn't see a single thing about it. That's probably a good thing. Because once we started watching Umbrella Academy, you actually wanted to watch the next episode right away, which never happens unless you really like a show. What are you implying? That you have a stringent taste? Discerning. Discerning. Taste. You, you are pretty discerning. What's the word I'm trying to think of? Concerning. That's the word. What? <laughs> <laughs> you are pretty concerning. Anyway. Thank you, dear. So... In this episode, we're only going to talk about Umbrella Academy 1. Yes. We're going to try not to spoil anything, but we are going to compare it to the comic, which we may or may not spoil. Because, I mean, the comic's short. Comic is six issues. Yeah. Or one trade paperback nowadays. So we only read the first um, comic, which is The White Violin, and we did not read the second one. Yes. But we'll probably get on to how that worked out. So what did you think of the TV show? What? I enjoyed it. TV show? Netflix? Streaming show? What do they call it nowadays? I don't know. It's a television show. But it's not on television. It is. We watched it on our television. But we could have easily watched it on a computer. No, I don't watch anything on my computer. That's the problem. <laughs> That's why I said I wouldn't watch it on my own. That's true. Okay, so yeah, sorry. What did you think of the Netflix show? I enjoyed it. Yay! <laughs> Yay! What a short episode. Thanks for listening. This was... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so... I need, I guess we should rewind a little bit for people who don't know anything about Umbrella Academy is it's kind of about a group of superheroes when they're adults and they realize that their childhood 
superhero antics were really messed up and kind of made them all screwed up adults. Umbrella Academy was another person trying to say, well, X-Men did it wrong and I can do it better. Wait, the comic or the TV series? More so the comic, somewhat the TV series, but it is very much a X-Men never bothers to address these certain issues that would happen if you're raising a bunch of child soldiers with superpowers. Yeah. And different people like to write that in their own way. And this was another one of them. Like I said, they all grow up to be very messed up. Maladjusted, yes. Uh, I think the show did a good job of showing that as well. Yeah. I think, so to jump right into comparisons. Oh, when we should we, probably throw that they all, they all get together because their father figure passed away. Yes, their Charles Xavier dies. Yes, <laughs> their Xavier dies. When we finished season one, which mm-hmm. is 10 hour-long episodes... So it's, you know, it's a decent chunk. I said I was going to go read the comic. Mm-hmm. And you told me, only read volume one so you don't get any spoilers. Yes. Now, I had seen Umbrella Academy on the shelf at the comic book store before, as I'd said. And I was so in my own head, I'm going, there has to be more. Because volume one isn't big enough to encompass everything we just watched. Yep. And so I went and I read Umbrella Academy. And volume one is not big enough to encompass everything that we just watched. <laughs> See, volume one doesn't really, because I reread volume one after we watched the series, and it's not really anything like the TV series, or rather the TV series isn't anything like the comic. If I had read Umbrella Academy, I would have been less likely to watch it. Yes, 100%. That's how I approach it. The TV series did a much better job of telling a story. The TV series actually made characters that you care about. Yeah. The... I don't actually know which one came out first, but I'm going to assume it was this because it was 14 years ago. The comic book for Umbrella Academy felt like Axe Cop mixed with X-Men. Axe Cop. Cop is the one where this comic book artist had his like five-year-old son just come up with ideas and he drew a new comic. And that's what Umbrella Academy really felt like in the sense that... They got a emo band star to write a comic and then somebody else drew it. Well, that, but it just... There's no flow or pacing. It's just what should happen here to have another cool action scene? Yeah. This. What should happen here to have another cool action scene? This. And so you never get enough chance to care about any of the characters. The comic also, by its very nature, acts as a spoiler for the TV show in that there's a big twist midway through season one that I already knew was going to happen. Because I don't know how to explain it without giving away the same spoiler to anyone. But if you've seen the cover of the comic, you've already been spoiled. Yeah, that's true. So that's kind of a problem. But in the TV series, they make you care a lot more. So when the twist happens, it feels more impactful. Whereas in the comic, there's been no time. So you don't care when the twist happens. Because it just happens to further the plot, and there was never any chance that it wasn't going to happen. I think considering Umbrella Academy's been out for a year plus, and the season two's come out, maybe we could actually talk about... Spoilers? Spoilers. Okay, I'm talking about Vanya being the white violin and causing the apocalypse. (gasps) Dun-dun-dun! Because volume one is called The White Violin. Yeah. And it shows some weird twisted figure with their body that's half violin... And then 
if you're watching the TV series, even if you don't know anything else, even if you don't know who that is, if you're watching the TV series, only one character plays a violin. Mm -hmm. So that's probably a sign there's something more that's going to happen to them. But you don't know how it's going to happen. You don't. But how it happens in the TV series, I think, is a lot better than how they do it in the comic. Well, because it actually, there's build-up to it. Yeah. And the comic is just some random schmuck goes, I'm making an orchestra of the damned, and you can be my first chair, and we'll destroy the world. And she goes, but my family. And then she leaves, and then her family goes, what are you doing here, Vanya? And she goes back to him and goes, I'm going to destroy the world now. It takes place, like, over three panels, maybe literally. Yeah. Yeah, the pacing is, well, I mean, like you said, it's only one volume, so they kind of crammed a lot into one go. Yeah, but there's certain stereotypes around comic book readers. And so I can see why Umbrella Academy became a cult hit. Yeah. Because it's been in a few years of development hell, where different studios have bought the rights to make a movie to it until finally Netflix got their hand on it and said, no, movie, no, we're going to make a TV series, which was definitely in its favor because if it had been a movie, I think it would have the same pacing problems. Yeah. I think there's also... Because of the, as you said, the very nature of comics versus TV, obviously the comic is very rushed and they cram a lot in. You don't really have time for character development, etc. But the comic is very much a stereotypical superhero comic. In It's a mockery of a superhero comic. While also trying to be serious, I think. I didn't get that in my read through. Oh, I think maybe when I read it 14 years ago, I think it was trying to be a lot more serious. And then it doesn't age well, but um, I think the, so the comic is trying to be a superhero story while the TV series is trying to be more like family drama with magical powers thrown in. Yes. But even so, let's say you took a one shot and you're writing about Superman and no one knew who Superman was. This was a brand new comic and you just had some dude running around beating the crap out of things. Now, there's other comic books that people would have the idea of what a superhero is, but why would they care about Superman? When they tell one-shots with Superman, when you look at uh, All-Star Superman or when you look at Secret Identity Superman, both of which are fantastic, they don't just jump into having him run it. Actually, All-Star Superman does, but that's because it expects you to already know who he is. But you still will get... They still take the time to explain why you care about Superman. He is one person, though. Umbrella Academy has six six main characters that's true six and a half so you can still introduce them (laughs) they kind of do at the beginning kind of but not really i mean they start off by having them fight the evil eiffel tower and then one of them gets their arm bitten off by another villain oh yeah yeah no that's what i mean by it's like a super it's like a stereotypical superhero story because all of the superhero antics kind of happen in flashbacks, whereas you see none of that in the TV series besides the first episode that kind of introduces them as children when they're stopping the bank robbers. Yeah, and then when they introduce adult Diego, yeah. you get a bit of superhero antics. But the, the emphasis is definitely on them as adults in the TV series as opposed to them as children in the comic. Agreed. I just, you need time to build a relationship. And the comic spends no time. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we said, it can't because of limits. (laughs) If you're given six issues to work with, I think you can better use those six issues. Yeah, that's fair enough. It needed polishing. Yes. 
But it was also his first ever comic, I think. Oh, wait, no, actually, I remember reading an interview with him and he was... Oh, wait, no, that's the, man, that's the comic editor himself. The comic editor for this had been working on them for like 15 years. So he probably should have done a better job. Well, you and I both have our own beef with editors. <laughs> editors are great as long as they communicate with the people that they work with. As long as they're willing to wield the red pen like a sword. Whoppa. Exactly. So... So what do you think that the TV series is better than the comic besides pacing issues and besides character introduction? Because there are a few other changes between the comics and the TV series. So despite me saying that I liked how they dealt with the growth of some characters and all that, I think 100% Vanya was the weakest of the children, which is a shame because the story rolls around her in the first one. And I don't mean weak power-wise. No, I mean weak personality-wise. Yes. That's kind of the point of Vanya. I guess, but it doesn't mean I have to like her as a character. True. I guess, I mean, I know you said that, but the point, I think, is supposed to be that you don't really care about her because nobody else cares about her because of the the drug she's been taking to kind of mute her well, just general presence in the world. They did, they did a good job of making me not care about her. <laughs> But you care about, I, at least I cared about her towards the end. When you see things falling apart for, yeah, there's a scene when they put her in the tank in the bottom of the house when she's an adult. And that whole scene was very difficult to watch in that it was really well done. And you, you know what's going to happen because of how it's happening. And you're watching it fall apart. But unlike what I said in the last episode where we talked about recreators, all the characters were acting in character to get to that point and to mm. progress past that point. Mm-hmm. So I was completely okay with watching everything fall apart. Yeah. Because it made sense for the characters to do yep. it. And I mean, they, I liked how they had that consistency. Like, um, Alison is always, no, I care about my sister. I want to be a good sister, even though she almost killed me. And Vanya is still, no, I care about my family, even though the assholes to me, where's my family? I want to go back to my family. And then when she does everything falls apart well actually everything fell apart beforehand but and then you've got luther who's very much i'm number one i'm the leader and that's his and his 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 mental breakdown yeah but he still has that attitude even after his breakdown like they have these core ideas to each of their characters that they maintain all the way through no matter what yes i think that's probably what made them all really strong characters is that they all had like this is this is the concept of this character and this is what it's going to be the entire way through which is good, but because yeah. you have what makes them them, but then you also have them changing to external forces, yes. which is good. They're not just a fixed plank, but they do change as well. While also maintaining those core values. Yes. Like, okay, so who's your favorite character as we're getting onto the characters? Uh, it's difficult. I know yours. You said it <laughs> repeatedly as we watched it, so go ahead. <laughs> My favorite's Klaus. Yes, yes, your favorite's Klaus. He's so good. He's sweet, he's funny, he's incredibly flawed, but he also tries to overcome those flaws. Ah, he's good. He is a good character, 100%. And I really like the interplay between him and Ben. And in season two, you get even more of that, which is great. So we're not going to spoil season two, but there is more Ben. I don't know, because now we've started watching season two, so it's kind of influencing how I see some of the characters Mm. through it. Okay, try and... I guess is it going to be hard to try and think of them from season one? I know, I know, I know. So, because I really, really like Diego. Mm. You can like Diego if you want. 
No, I know, it's fine. But I, I'm wondering <laughs> how much of that is coming from his season two portrayal and not his season one. Well, his season one was very, I'm Batman. Yeah, he was... I don't know if I'd go with I'm Batman. He feels more like the Robin from the live-action uh, Teen Titans. Fuck Batman. Oh, gosh. Did you actually watch that? <laughs> no, I've just seen pictures from it. And it seems overly dramatic, which is kind of like him in season one. It's DC. Uh, no, but in season but I, one as well, I, he has He has the, the whole, whole interplay with Patch, with Detective Patch, Patch. And I'm really, I did really like that. I, actually, I guess that's one of the nice things, that they all have their underlying stories. And, yeah, so good. All right. So. I think I, I do really like Klaus, but I also it's weird also because I think one of the characters I liked more in season one I like less in season two. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Which would be number five. Ah, uh, yeah. Because we were talking about how characters change. Mm-hmm. I really don't feel like he's changed much mm-hmm. with everything that's been happening. Out of all the kids, he's changed the least. Yeah, but he's also the oldest. Yes. <laughs> so. To be honest, I think. Again, not going into spoilers for season two, but Klaus, I'm liking less in season two than I did in season one. And I think other characters are stronger in season two, but it doesn't stop me liking him from season one. Well, with the way that they start season two, they kind of give reasons for what's happened. But I do feel like Klaus made major strides in season one that they slightly reset for comedic value in season two. And so part of what you're watching is him making the same character development that you've already seen in a way yeah it was not to harp on an issue but it was one of my big problems with this second of the star wars sequels oh god which one there are a bajillion uh, i don't know the second one right so, uh, the, the, the rise of the sith no <laughs> rise of the new ones right the new ones yeah, yeah. rise of the the jedi something whatever like it is i don't care But the entire second movie, one of the reasons why I didn't care about it the whole time is the whole storyline that Finn goes under is the same one that he did in the first movie. Mm. So I'm just re-watching what I've already seen, and I... Not getting anything new. Didn't care. Yeah. And so I think you get a little bit of that with Strauss in season two. Klaus in season two. Strauss. (laughs) Who's Strauss? I don't know. That's the eighth brother. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it is hard to pick because they do a good job at telling the stories with them and for making them irredeemable. No, 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 that's a comic about a superhero-type character who decides to wipe out two-thirds of the population. Well, yeah, that's what Vanya does in season one. No, Vanya wipes, wipes out, out everyone. <laughs> now she misses one. Uh, accidentally. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> that's when I have to make you read is Irredeemable, which I kind of want an excuse to reread it, so maybe I'll do that. Fair enough. I think also a great thing that the TV series had obviously was music and cinematography yes i think i remember as we were watching it you were like oh my goodness the soundtrack for this is so good yes i really like the soundtrack and then combined with how they edited some of the scenes like we haven't even talked about hazel and cha-cha yet every single time hazel and cha-cha were on screen especially when they took drugs it was amazing (laughs) they accidentally took drugs i don't think they accidentally did well they did at first and then they kept doing it it's so good Hazel and Cha-Cha were fun. They don't show up in the comic at all. They show up in the second comic, which I actually completely forgot until I reread it. But yes, they don't turn up Almost at all. Almost everything that number five does in season one doesn't happen in the comic. Yes. He shows up. He sets things in motion to get the Umbrella Academy to hopefully stop an apocalypse, yada, yada, whatever. But everything else he does in season one of the TV show doesn't happen in the comic. 
because it revolves more or less around a Hazel and Chacha storyline. <laughs> and they don't show up in the comics, so what's he supposed to do? That is true. Which is probably why they brought Hazel and Chacha from the second comic into the first season of Umbrella Academy. And I think it did a great job. Yeah, I agree. I think they managed to weave them into the story very well. Also, you pointed out something that you just before we started recording that I never noticed before, and that is that they swapped Hazel and Chacha's names over. Yes, Hazel is Chacha and Chacha is Hazel. Yeah. Which, I mean, we kind of set, figured it's based on who they got to play Hazel in the show and the fact that his storyline is quite a bit different. What, he has a storyline? He has a storyline. I think also, um, so Hazel and Chacha in the comics, uh, in the, they, didn't, they never ever take off their helmets or their masks. They're both guys. One's white, one's black. You said they were basically... Oh, 100%. They're um, Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta from Pulp Fiction. That's uh, wearing creepy masks. Yeah. And so that's kind of the idea behind those characters. And then obviously I knew in the TV series they gender swapped um, Chacha. And they also evidently swapped the name as well. Yeah. Because in the comic, Chacha is the one with the blue mask and Hazel is the one with the pink mask. And this is getting confusing, but yeah. Yes. I was like, wait, what? They did? Oh my goodness. <laughs> but no, I really liked it that they added a lot of diversity into the TV series. Like, um, Alison was obviously white in the original comic. It made a lot more sense for the children because they start off by saying such and such a date, yada, yada, whatever. 48 children were born at the exact same time mm -hmm. around the globe. Yeah. So that makes a lot more sense. That you have a diverse cast. Yes. Yeah. 100%. What I really liked as well is they obviously had um, Chasha in the series is just a massive bitch. I loved her character. She's so evil. Chasha's a lot of fun. There's the bit when uh, Hazel comes back to the bed and breakfast and he walks in and she's got like this huge Rube Goldberg execution device for Agnes, the donut lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. Actually, that's also what I really liked is that... Um, but that's not. But as we keep saying, though, that's not just her character. No, no, no. She is a massive bitch, but they show so much more of it than that. Yes. So, like, even the bad guys have multiple layers. Yes. They're like onions. You leave them out in the sun and they grow little white hairs? No, they got layers. <laughs> 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 no, I really liked that how, um, speaking of diversity, they made the donut lady, Agnes, older. And Hazel and her fall in love. And it's like, that's really sweet. Because you like never, ever see an older love interest in a show. I don't think they make her older. In the comics, she's pretty old, too. No, in the comics, she is, she has black, dark hair. and she's. I well, that doesn't she's mean probably, she's younger. She's still no, she's, she's probably in her 40s. But I think in the series, she's more like in her 50s. Oh, I don't know. She looks like stereotypical diner. It's not a donut shop in the comic. But they, she looks like the stereotypical <laughs> diner lady in the comic to me. I, that, it just made me happy to watch because I thought that the two of them were really sweet together. <laughs> and it was something that I wasn't expecting, but in a good way. I just like donuts. Yes, you do. <laughs> that was one of the things that I was annoyed by. Is it's donuts? Well, the donut shop in particular. What? And that it looks like the show is supposed to be taking place in New York. Yeah. And the Umbrella Academy clearly looks like it's supposed to be in Manhattan, like mm -hmm. the main island. And then when number five walks into the donut shop, 
you're not going to find a place like that anywhere on the island of Manhattan. And he goes, oh yeah, this is just down the road. My siblings and I used to sneak out here all the time when we were kids. You wouldn't find somewhere like that in New York? You would in New York, but not on Manhattan. Manhattan is... Where's Manhattan? <laughs> it's, it's like Times Square and those types of places. Uh, Hell's Kitchen from Daredevil. Um, You're not going to find a single one-layer donut shop with a huge parking area in front of it on the island of Manhattan. It's fantasy. Maybe if they'd gotten over to, I don't know, Brooklyn or something. It's fantasy. It is. That's but, what I chalk it down to. But it leads into my other issue that I had with the TV series. And that the sense of time for a show that hinges on the passage of time was very wishy-washy. Ah, uh, yes. At the, you know, because the whole issue is number five shows up and he goes, in 10 days or whatever, the apocalypse is going to happen. And so you've kind of, you don't have the full 24 Jack Bauer, bing, 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 every time there's, you know, the start of an episode or a commercial break or whatever, but there is still this countdown to when does the apocalypse happen? Because it's going to happen, you have a set time frame for them to figure out what's going on, how do we solve it, we've got to track down these mysteries, but we only have a certain amount of time to do it. But then whether or not it's day or night, and only day or night, I don't think there's like any dusk or dawn scenes in the entire show. It's only ever day or night. There is a dusk towards the end with the cabin when they're driving to it. I Maybe, I, but very much there seems to be very bright or middle of the night. And it also just seems to kind of change depending on what they felt better fit the scene and not what actually was a progression of time. Yeah. So that irritated me at bits just because the timing was such a strong part of the plot. But they seem to spend a lot of time just killing time. And suddenly they're in a place. Yes. That was the other thing that irritated me. There's an entire episode that they undo. Oh, yeah. That, I, would, I would normally find that annoying but i thought it was an interesting uh i thought it was interesting because then afterwards we discussed oh how is it that because of this changing these other things changed on some level because you do see in the next episode it kind of redoes it but with an added influence of the person who traveled through time mm -hmm. and so the bits that that person is not directly interacting with continue as they would otherwise which mm -hmm. you see and so i enjoyed that because it shows you know they're not just changing things because it's a new day and you know, you're not getting the full-on, whatever it is, chaos effect, a butterfly flaps his wings and everything changes. You are seeing how it takes actual stimulus to change things. But at the same time, because it just, they're very loosey-goosey with the time travel in this show. <laughs> you said loosey-goosey. Yeah. It's cute. And <laughs> so it, it removes a little bit of the threat in the sense that it's just a, if something horrible happens, we can just go back in time and change it. Which is what Five intended. Yes. But as we saw from events, that doesn't really go as well because most of the time machines that pop he up destroyed. destroys. Yeah, yeah, he destroyed them. Yeah. Well, that and oh, um, Klaus destroys one. Yes. Yeah. Like, if you don't have a time machine... It's really risky to try and time travel. Which is good, and I enjoyed that. I, I thought like that, that, is... that was a good way to do it, but then they immediately also implement a no-must-no-fuss time travel option. Time to retcon this one thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think how they did it was good because it, it's not that simple to just go back in time and change things, even though they try. Because it every single time shouldn't... they try, something goes wrong. Well, okay, this time it doesn't work because one of their agents is working against them. Yes. 
But I, the whole the whole premise of the agency that he works for is we can just go back in time and change things. Yeah, that's a whole other. I think it's best not to think too much about the time travel stuff. Just don't think about it. Yeah. But what I do like thinking about is their powers. And the level of how powerful are their powers, how many layers are to their powers. And also the thing that you found annoying was Vanya was a bit of an Elsa from Frozen. Vanya's power seems defined and then changes what they need it to do to fit the scene. Yeah. And it annoys me. <laughs> if they want to just have her make herself a random dress, it wouldn't be surprising if her power could do it. <laughs> she made a snowman made out of musical instruments. <laughs> I don't see why not. At this point. Because by and large, what her power appears to do is create a field around her that either pushes or pulls. Mm. Whenever you see it up to a certain point, that's what it's doing. I thought it was more the kind of her whole thing is sound waves as yeah. they're creating vibrations. But gotta get down with anyway, yeah. Because she she does she has this whole focus on you know listening to different sounds and focusing on them and all that. But whenever you see her doing it, it's sound. It's radiating out from her. But it's either pushing or pulling. Like you can see when she's walking down the street and mm. she's so furious and focused on the rain and everything's getting pulled in towards her, like all the street lamps or whatever. Mm. Or when they're at the uh, roadside cafe and they get in a fight and she just wants them all to go away and everyone gets pushed away as far as possible. Mm. So how does that turn to her making a death laser? Multiple death lasers. Because she does the whole thing where she's like sucking people out with like a magical tentacle. Yes. Boop, 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 boop. And magically changes her clothes to white. So she does use her powers oh, to make does. a random dress. Damn it. <laughs> she is Elsa. <laughs> but it annoyed me because it felt like you could easily do what they did and still have the same effect while keeping within her power wheelhouse without needing to say, well, we need our third act death laser. Because that's a common critique of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is what are we going to do for our final act? There's going to be some laser of death pointing into the sky, and they're going to have to shut it down. Very my laser. Exactly. And so they do that with her, and it annoyed me, because if you have her pushing and pulling, and you want her to in some way impact the moon... Ah, she could have pulled it. You could just pull the moon, and maybe she can't pull the whole moon, and a chunk of it breaks off like it did anyway, and that comes down and crashes, crashes on Earth. Yeah. And so then the whole thing is, oh, well, if she doesn't have a laser, she wouldn't have broken the top of the music halls they wouldn't have seen the moon but you could still easily hand wave that away because she passes out and they pick her up and they're walking out and then klaus does his look up and goes oh guys the moon's still coming because that was the other thing is that that traveled awfully fast from the moon to earth i'm getting really pedantic here and i apologize for that <laughs> the chunk of the moon that breaks off at random just decides to go i'm at earth now but that, that's a long distance to travel and if it was traveling that fast this wouldn't be some deep impact thing but the Earth would just be gone. Yeah, probably. Or more of it would have than they showed. I don't know physics, so... Well, I don't know. I just felt you're, you're the type that thinks about how speed and distance is relating to each other when you're driving. Um, yes, I do. But <laughs> It's probably I, best not to think about it in terms of sci-fi moon. I guess, but it's still... <laughs> because they irritated me with the death laser... I picked more holes in it. Ah, uh, okay. And that's how I work. If I, if I don't care about it, I'm totally willing to let things slide and little potholes or whatever just vanish in my brain. I don't care about them. 
whatever. You want to do something weird, fine. But as soon as you do something that irritates me, well, then the rest of it's falling apart too. Wow. You're like one of those people that hang out on 4chan, aren't you? I mean, only the Warhammer board. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the other characters? Um, like, powers. I actually really liked how they changed um, Luther between the comic and the TV series. Yeah, in they don't expressly say what his power is in the TV series. I think they, guess they hint that it's strength. It's well, strength. yeah, because they turned him into an ape. No, no, no. Even before then, when he was a kid, you see him like throw. Oh, you do see a guy throw through the window, yeah. And in the comic, he's just innately talented at things. Yeah, but in the comic, they pretty much attach his head to an ape body with robot legs. And in the wait, did I say comic? Yes. Yes. And in the TV series, they stab him with something to bring him back to life, and it, I guess, is a little too effective and turns him into a big ape, kind of his body. Yeah. They turn him into Harambe. No. <laughs> Which, but they also do talk about, there's bits later where they talk about how that would affect other things, mm. which I liked. Like how they need somebody's blood and Luther's like, I'll do it. And they're like, no, you won't. No, you can't because you're an ape now. You're an ape. Yeah. Your DNA is different. Dun, dun, dun. But see, that's something that couldn't happen, but I don't care about because they didn't do anything outrageous with it. Yeah. It was more like an interesting plot point. Yeah. And a funny joke. I liked that they didn't just stick his head on a ape body. Yeah. I, I it wouldn't fit did. as well. And I think part of that is because the TV series is set in whenever it came out. Nine, 2017, 2019, 2018, 2019, whatever it is. 2019. And so that it's, it's fantastical, but it's not out of place. Mm. Whereas the comic is set in, I think it's set in the 80s, actually, because there's one... I don't remember. I think it's set in the 80s, but I don't remember. Um, but it's not the 80s that we know. Yeah. In that you've got teleporters and jetpacks and... Chimpanzees are Chimpanzees in general. just wandering around. Yeah. As a fact of life. It's like half Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Which, and, I mean, I don't think they really talk about this in the TV series, but... Uh, Professor Hargreaves, the Charles Xavier, is just straight up an alien wearing a rubber mask in, in the, the comic, comic books. Yeah. yeah, they show him like with his rubber mask on the ground. And he's got this weird green skin and big red bug eyes or whatever. I don't know what they're going to do with him in the TV series because they've hinted that he's from either a different timeline or maybe a different planet. But I think that's the really intriguing part that I'm excited to find out more about in season two is what's the deal with Hargreaves? Well, we are halfway through it, Woo and despite some flaws, season one was good, and so we'll be finishing season two. I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. And then, didn't you say as well that they started the comic up again? Because the TV series was so popular, it reinvigorated the comic? Maybe. I don't know which came out when, but I do know that there's more volumes of the comic out now. Oh, okay. I haven't looked into them, because... As I said, I prefer the TV series. Yeah. So I don't want to possibly give myself more spoilers. That, and as we've already discussed, the TV series is 100 times better than the comics. Yes. I'm sorry, Broadway, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, if you took the story from the comic, or from the TV series, and wrote it into a comic, it would have to be more than six issues, but I think it would be better for it. I mean, we already said it was full of issues. Yeah, six of them. Boom, boom. <laughs> mm. Well, I really, really enjoyed watching 
Umbrella Academy again with you, even though I'd forgotten everything. Actually, that's probably why I enjoyed it again. And I had a good time watching it, so thank you for recommending it. You're welcome. This has been another episode of Otofususume. Uh, thank you for listening. You can find us online at www.annabrosecreative.com or on Twitter at Creative. You can also find our brother and sister podcast. Uh, and uh, What are our brother and sister podcasts again? Real There's Japan. Real Japan, where they look at live action adaptations of anime and manga. Fujoshi Trash Talk, where we look talk about trashy <laughs> Fujoshi stuff. <laughs> and uh, Annabrose Prime. Prime or 2.0. Where they just do deep dives on whatever catches their fancy within the anime fandom. Yep. Thanks for listening. Thanks. If you have any comments, let us know on Twitter or on our website. I'm Wes. And I'm Jen. Bye. Bye.